Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy, out here on a sports Sunday. It's a good day, another warm day in Texas, but hey man, we're living it gonna go back to work again working the double weekend shift here at gold so hey just gotta make it happen gotta gear up gotta hustle hard man so out here on sports sunday we we're talking today about acl and with this acl i mean man so all of us know acl that's a ligament out in the knee area great cool why am i talking about this well unfortunately uh nba basketball player clay thompson warriors guard he uh, tore his ACL, ruptured his ACL uh, recently in game six of the NBA Finals that just happened. And I mean, man, heartbreaking stuff, heartbreaking stuff. I'm not a Warriors fan, although I am a fan of the style, the way that the Warriors play basketball. It's beautiful, beautiful basketball, the way that they play um, and they fight and get out there. But it's always devastating to see a player go down, especially a player like Clay Thompson, somebody who's known for his resiliency, his, his own maintenance of his body, his ability to get out there game and game and game again. And I believe it was since this happened, and really he's not missing the game right now, even because that was the last game of their season. But I don't think he's missed a game in like three years or some crazy number like that. And again, remember, these are the Golden State Warriors who, for the last three years, they didn't have just an 82-game um, season. They had, like, a 100-game season, all these. And that repetitive strain does add up. But again, this is guard Clay Thompson. He's taking immaculate care of his body. And it just shows with fatigue, um, end of a season, freak uh, accident, um, just really, really awkward landing. Um Everybody can be susceptible to this, even those who of us who we prepare ourselves the best. So fatigue is a huge, huge risk factor for injury of the ACL. Now, another important injury risk factor that um, is good to know, I don't know the exact percentages of increased likelihood. However, there is a significant increased likelihood of ACL injury or other knee, lower extremity injury, uh, ligament injuries from happening on a night of low sleep. So you have low sleep, uh, poor, poor, either poor quality of sleep, or especially low just duration of the amount of time you're sleeping. And after that, you're at a huge increased risk of knee or ankle injuries when you have a competition the day after. Obviously, if you're not moving or anything, you're not gonna have a great risk because you're not doing anything. Um, but that's really important for athletes, especially those younger athletes more at risk, those middle school and high school athletes. Um, females even more than males for the ACL just based on the knee, natural knee position with the wider hips, wider pelvis um, can place a little bit more stress on that area. So let's get into kind of the ACL, what it is and what, it, um, what its main function is in the body and why it's so incredibly important. So the ACL, what does it do? It's, well, it's a ligament in the knee. Um, we're gonna get a little more detail just for a moment for all those anatomy and medical people out there, is just a reminder, it attaches on that intercondylar area of the tibia. So between those tibial condyles, that's where it anchors down in. 
uh, then it comes up it, it goes up superiorly and posteriorly so it attaches to the um, on the lateral femoral condyle it'll go to kind of that medial and posterior component of it so it's still attached there so it attaches on the tibial condyles and it goes up and back kind of at a diagonal and a little bit more on the uh, posterior aspect it goes kind of in a posterior and a very slight medial direction and these are the cruciate ligaments the um, the ACL being the anterior cruciate ligament and the PCL being the posterior cruciate ligament. And they're called cruciate ligaments because for cruciate they form a cross together. Um, so this is really important for kind of their, their function in the body. Well, as we continue down the function of it, the ACL has an anterior medial band and a posterior lateral band. Um, it used to be that in surgery, they would, like for the reconstruction, they would only typically repair the anterior medial band of it. Um, and a lot of places still do that. It kind of depends surgeon to surgeon, but some are starting to uh, restore that posterior lateral band in addition to it as well. But it's shown that the anterior medial band really is the one that helps with the function or the main function we think of the most. So what is that function? The ACL, if you think about its attachment again, come the intercondylar area and stabilizing kind of that tibia as it pulls in an upwards and posterior direction, a superior posterior direction, it's going to prevent that tibia from sliding forward way too much. So any activity where we extend or hyperextend, hyperextension is one of the common um, mechanisms of injury where you have like a, a collision, a hyperextension, a big bone bruise on the upper part of the tibia, the lower part of the femur, and that can cause to a ligament tear by having that tibia slide way, way too far forward. So knee hyperextension in athletes that we see, that's a major risk factor because it puts that ACL under a lot of tensile load, which is really inappropriate in that range for that ligament to be able to handle. Now, in addition, um, in terms of mechanisms of injury, if I'm gonna encourage you guys to go out there and watch that Clay Thompson video, um, because what was unique about him is he did land with a kind of an upright trunk. So he was stable through the hips to a certain extent, but that just, he had that forced contact with the ground and fatigue, whether it was fatigue of the glutes, of the quads, um, you know, after a long season repetitive strain, he just, and a kind of high velocity landing on one leg, he did not land very well. And you can watch in that video where his tibia, it shifts slightly anteriorly at the like abruptness of the contact through the hip, but mostly it gives a kind of a medial shift through there as well. Um, so likely a little bit of a, you know, an irritation through the MCL and medial collateral ligament as well. And that's a common uh, injury pattern that we see where uh, it did not happen with Clay Thompson, but oftentimes the ACL, the MCL, medial collateral ligament, as well as the medial meniscus, because the medial meniscus does attach to the medial collateral ligament, the MCL. Those are often called the terrible triad, so those three are kind of injured together. And this happens with a, uh, a knee valgus moment, which is what exactly you can see in that Clay Thompson video, where he lands on one foot and the knee goes inwards. And it's that inward movement of the knee that, especially abruptly, that is unable to be controlled. That's a big irritation to that ligament. Well, there's a lot of, when we talk about ACL prevention, we touched on a few things already about fatigue, right? So let's be less fatigued as we get out there. 
other things we talk about, um, things that we can't change. You can't change your hip width for your leg ratio and all that stuff. You can't change that. But you can control your motor control, kind of the way you use your muscles in terms of let's not have the knees knocking, knees touching in there. And well, that's an extreme example. A lot of people's knees, when they go into like a squat jump and they land, it does collapse in because of lack of muscular stability, lack of control from the quads, but even more so than the quads, the glutes, especially those side glute muscles, the glute meeting glute men, those are extremely important for kind of that lateral stability. So if you think about the issue, one of the main issues being the leg hyperextending, that's a quadriceps eccentric load quad weakness issue. If we think about the knee collapsing into valgus, that's a dynamic control of the hip going into deduction. So we need to use our hip abductors, the abductors, the glute med, glute min, to pull that sucker right out of there. Um, so those are all the dynamic control that we need to have to really encourage healthy uh, and sustainable knee, especially ACL function for our athletes or even those people who are just not high level athletes, but they like to move, they like to exercise, they like to protect themselves, um, be healthy in society and not have to worry about any of these issues that occur. So that, that's a really important factor to consider about what we do. Now there's kind of a debate going on out there right now about ACL prevention and the debate is, okay, do we work on proper knee mechanics and do we work on stabilization, always kind of keeping knees knees over toes for the knee um, staying over that second uh, the second toe or sometimes the second slash this midway between the second and the third? Um, do we do that all the time for all motions and kind of work to maintain that perfect control? And that's a good argument. That makes sense to me. There's biomechanical... Um, sound stability to that where we work on proper motor control so we're encouraging muscles to always be in those positions of dynamic control and bring it into that. That's great, I like that. Now there's another argument. And the other argument is, hey, if we're in these positions of, uh, if we're going to be prone during athletic events to these um, suboptimal positions of the knee, this extra knee valgus, Shouldn't we try and get some resiliency in that motion? Shouldn't we try and train for that? Um, so things like curtsy lunges, where you're doing a lunge with the front leg and the other leg goes way up behind you to create almost a, a little aspect of that valgus moment at the knee, where you create that torsion in the knee. Some people are doing this saying, okay, hey, we're creating tensile strain on the ligament, which in turn is gonna make that ligament eventually more robust, more durable, more capable of handling the load. Um, so I can see the argument in that too, it being a beneficial one to say, hey, let's get used to this load. But people who are against that argument say, what are you talking about? You're just stressing and stretching out that ligament. You're just causing it irritation and making it more prone to damage. Um, and so when we look at this argument, again, take my opinion with a grain of salt, um, because this is just my personal opinion out here that is correlated with the research. But again, just my personal opinion. When we look at this, when we look at kind of what's going on out there in the literature, biomechanically, happening for the knee, we have to talk about dosage. So when you ask me, hey, should we practice stable sound motor control positions where we get that knee tracking over just right in the strong, stable position that is good for our health, my answer is going to be yes. 
when you tell me that, hey, should we train our ligaments in our knee to be resilient, to develop robustness, to be more durable in those situations? My answer to you is going to be yes. But it's yes with specificity. It's yes with dosage. Because ligaments do respond. They do respond to changes in force around them. They do respond to, okay, we're placing a, a minimal, a slight increase of load upon them and the bone structure that the ligaments pull on that is going to be more robust and going to have a firmer muscle attachment. The collagen structure in those ligaments is going to become more robust and able to handle a greater amount of load. But this load is just a little amount at a time. You're not training it like a muscle. You're not expecting rapid growth like a muscle would, like muscle hypertrophy, or even muscle resiliency or neural adaptation or any of those benefits we get from strength training. You are not expecting that at all. Here's what you can expect. Once in a while, introduce a motion like that, introduce a curtsy lunge. And yes, that tissue will become more developed. However, just like muscles have irritation, just how muscles have soreness, ligaments will too and it'll take time to adapt. So, the time to do this, the, the time to train this is not right before competition. Do not stress the ligaments more and require time for tissue healing before competition. It's a bad idea. You want to do that during the off season, during other times where there's not as intense competition, when your other tissues are more profuse and doing well. But then from there, you can go ahead on your pathway, on your journey, on your road forward, to there, finally, okay, let's load a little bit when we're not being stressed out like crazy. Otherwise, you're just making it more prone to injury. That being said, when we're only doing it in small doses, I'm cool with it. Ligaments do respond. They will be more robust. They'll be beneficial that way. However, I don't want this... I don't want this message of saying, hey, I need to put this ligament in a point of tension to irritate us slightly to promote growth, be a confusing message with, I'm okay with core motor control. I want you 90, 95, 98% of the time to have that really good control of the knee, to have that good control of the knee where you are stabilizing it over the second toe, over the between the second and third toe, keeping it dynamically stable under different loads, under different running, jumping, twisting, pivoting motions. That's so important to control hip range of motion through that. Now, but when we do, so when we do train to be in that knee valgus position, you're intentionally doing it. It's not just, oh, let me jump and fall in. No, it's a slow down movement. It's developing tissue resiliency. So just as that we're developing those ligament tensile force to handle it, we're also developing our muscle force. We're developing our muscle force to go ahead and say, okay, I can do a little bit of this. The angles of pull might not be optimal. It's not a great length tension relationship. We're developing our muscles to say, hey, let me handle a little bit of this load and pull it out of there. Great, that's a fantastic option. So a similar can, thing can be seen in the elbow with baseball pitchers where, you know, they got irritation to their UCL, their ulnar collateral ligament up in their elbow. And what happens is that the pitches, the forces that we throw them at, our body is not anatomically designed to even be able to handle all those loads optimally. So what happens? 
well, some fle- wrist flexor muscles up up near that elbow and the anterior part, like let's say um, our pronator teres, for example, or our flexor carpi ulnaris. Those take a lot of the load too. They take a lot of that load to absorb the contact, um, so they can be certainly overuse injuries associated with them. We're talking a little bit different stuff in the knee because we're not intentionally doing an action that loads the knee above its anatomical range. There's a reason we have limitations on pitches. There's not a reason that we have limitations on strides taken when walking or running. So, we can train the muscles through a somewhat poor link tension relationship suboptimal position to be able to be resilient and get out of that suboptimal position, but not at the expense of good motor control. If any of you out there are have had a past ACL injury, I hope that this helped kind of give perspective and hopefully that you had uh, great recovery and good treatment along the way you're able to get back to the sport that you love. If you didn't, if you haven't had an ACL injury, good, keep it that way. Doing some of this prevention is fantastic and important for you, no matter what age you, that you're doing an athletic event at, but especially, especially at a younger age, starting kind of middle elementary school or so, especially around times of puberty and after, especially for females higher risk, but you can prevent it. I'm sick and tired of fed up with the expectation of a young middle school, early high school female uh, soccer or basketball player almost expecting at some point in her career to tear ACL. That is bullshit. Yes, there are anatomical restraints. Yes, there are anatomical uh, biases that do make you more um, prone to injury. However, we can do something about that. That does not just be, a statistic does not have to be your destiny. There is a lot of prevention we can do, and you're a freaking athlete out there, girl. You're a freaking athlete, girl, right? You didn't show up as an athlete to be passive, so don't be fucking, sorry, excuse my language, but don't. This gets me mad. Don't be fucking passive and taking care of your body and taking care of your health and taking care of yourself, because that's the mentality behind it. Have self-respect for yourself get out there and kill it when you get out on the field and get on the court and kill it in preparation for that so you can maintain that throughout ideally your whole life all right everybody hope you enjoyed this shout out to my boy clay thompson out there again not even a warriors fan not even a um a big fan of like shooting guards and stuff like that but i am a fan of toughness i am a fan of the way they play ball and i am a huge fan of no injuries for my athletes All right, everybody, let's get after it. Let's protect those knees. Let's change the perspective going on in the dichotomy of healthcare where it's, oh, should be this or that. Hey, oftentimes, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? I just want a good old-fashioned chicken olive, man. Maybe even throw a few veggies in there, get a little hot sauce, get some flavor to it, get some creativity going, man. Enjoy, enjoy. Our life was meant to be enjoyed and to live it with passion and flavor. All right, everybody, it's the bee's knees. ACL? I wonder if bees have ACLs. I doubt it. Highly doubt it. That'll be a new study of mine. All right, everybody. Simply not easy.